Welcome into the uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast presented by our great sponsor, DraftKings. We will talk more about some of the big bet opportunities at the end of this podcast with George Shahuri, but we really had a good time today. We were talking about the whole Hale Murray, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, whether or not Richard had ever been posterized by any receiver in that way. He was also a receiver at one time, so I was wondering if he ever caught a Hail Mary. Um, we also were talking about Patrick Mahomes, and if he played for the Jets, how many games would the Jets have won? It's an interesting question. Could he make a difference on the Jets if he were the quarterback in New York? Um, we got into the Raiders victory lap. If you don't know what that is, you're going to love it. Apparently when the Raiders beat the Kansas city chiefs in Kansas city, last time they took a little victory lap around the stadium. And apparently that did not sit very well with Andy Reed. We got into that. And speaking of pettiness, we got into petty high school stories, which is my all time favorite with Richard. He has some of the greatest high school and college stories of all time. It's all presented by DraftKings, and we are ready to go. Here comes Richard. All right, Richard, good to see you again. Let me uh, let me just start off with my weekly check. How you doing? How's the calf? You know, because the calf sucks, right? You get zero sympathy. You get nobody cares. Everybody thinks you're gone a little soft or a little old or whatever the case. When you have a pulled calf, A, you can't even run a step. It's the most debilitating thing in the world. And B, you get no sympathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been awful. But, uh, you know, thank goodness I'm able to run and, and, and practice again. I practiced last week. And, um, you know, obviously we, they shut down the facility. So the COVID stuff is all in order. But, uh, but I feel good. Um, I'm running good. And since I got rehab, I can still go in the facility and, and get my work. Um, so we'll see how it goes next week. There you go. There you go. Well, next thing you know, you'll be jumping up and trying to defend a Hail Mary like they were <laughs> in Buffalo the other day. I, I, I've seen some Hail Marys before, and I've seen guys go up and get them before, but that was about as pure as you find. And DeAndre Hopkins, if you've never met him, have you ever shaken hands with him, by the way? Oh, 100%. I, yeah, he has the biggest hands in the world. The biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. I, I mean, as soon as he reached out his fingers of his hands to me, I was like, dude, you look like E.T. Like, that's <laughs> the longest fingers I have ever seen in my life. So he's, you know, they had a, like a tail of the tape the other day on that thing. And apparently his vertical was about 37 and the guys he was jumping against was about, were about 30, right? And his fingers are longer than anybody's on earth. And it was like just inches, but it made the difference at the end of that thing. See, that's why, that's why I hate analytics at, at some points, because at the end of the day, that was like, he wanted it more than them. He understood the situation. He, he went up with an intention to catch the ball. They did not. You know, they went up with an intention that, hey, hopefully one of us get a, gets a hand on it and one of us bats it. Um, it was an incredible play by him. But uh, for, for, for those guys, you know, I, it's almost like they jumped with their eyes closed, you know, um, and, and that's what happens on a lot of Hail Mary. So it's, it's hats off to him for an unbelievable play. I mean, we've seen 
thousands and thousands of Hail Marys and rarely have you ever seen a receiver go up and catch it as pure as he did. You know, you've seen receivers catch it off the tip. You've seen receivers kind of, kind of jumble it or, or, or they, they caught it with their chest, but he caught it a jump ball as high as the point as he could catch it and came down with it, man. It was unbelievable. It's not quite wide right in Buffalo, but it will be remembered for a long time up there. That was, have you ever given up a Hail Mary when you were in the primary spot? No, no, no. I've never given up anything like that. Um, But I I feel for those guys, you know, obviously um, their secondary and their defense has been playing incredibly well in Buffalo. uh, And you hate, to have a play like that because it's on everybody's teach tape video now, you know, that it's not that all oh, the fans will remember it forever because they will. But every year when any team's talking about a Hail Mary, they'll bring up that play. They'll bring up a few plays in Cincinnati, uh, you know, where AJ green and those guys have had it. Um, but, you know, there's always a play where it's like, you never want this to happen to you. And these are the plays that, and this will be another one. I never caught one either, but I did. And we were playing Miami so I'm down there and I'm jumping. I mean, I'm going, I'm six, four, I'm going for all I'm worth. I'm going to catch this thing. And I didn't know what happened until the tape the next day, but this middle linebacker turned, you know, he was about 20 yards deep or whatever. He turned from 20 yards deep and sprinted the other 30 yards down the field. And just at the time I reached the highest point of my jump, he hit me in the ribs. And I thought I was dead out of all the hits that I ever took. I thought I was dead when that guy hit me that day. I will never forget. It. I'll never forget either because Don Shula actually on his way in, in the victory celebration, poked his head in and goes, basically, are you dead? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm still alive. <laughs> oh my God, It was unbelievable. D hop is something else though, isn't he? He is. He's a hell of a player. And, you know, that that'll go, you know, on his resume as another one of great, uh, the great plays that he's made, you know, and that's why that's why they pay him the big bucks. Yeah. There are some other guys making an impression at the wide receiver position right now as well. Uh, Justin Jefferson playing for the Vikings in four of the nine weeks that he's played this year. He has had the highest PFF grade to date which is unbelievable for a rookie and for a rookie that was really sort of considered a slot guy at LSU, you know, that's really what his role was. And to come in and have that kind of impact, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's taken advantage of his opportunity. You know, I think, I think the evaluation process in this league is overrated. You know, I think guys get paid a lot of money and they're very, you know, very rarely right. Um, you know, but that's a story for an entirely different day. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I can't think of a comparison for him. You know, he's very unique in his route running. I think if you if you put some Marvin Jones, some Allen Robinson in there, um, you know, at the top of the top of his routes, he's very veteran. Even in his slants, you know, he's able to, to put a little extra wiggle in a short amount of time that you have to run those routes. Uh, that's what's making it really, really difficult for defenders is because he's a rookie and he's playing like, um, like he's a, he's a five, six year vet. And, uh, you gotta, you gotta, once again, tip your hat to the kid because he's, he's taken, not only taking advantage of the opportunity, but showing all the people who thought he was just a slot receiver, thought he wasn't a great route runner. He's putting on a clinic week in and week out. So 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he had a chance at a Pro Bowl this year. You know, he got a, got some all pro consideration just for what he's done. You know, I, he's walked into a situation where where Stephon Diggs had just been traded. You know, and and it, huge, huge, huge shoes to fill. And I think he's gone out there, and and they haven't really missed a beat. Yeah, I I, I got some of these young players. I have to kind of laugh every once in a while. Because we talk so much during the draft about rookies and especially rookie quarterbacks. And these guys come in the league and we're, we always, oh, this guy's got, you know, runs four five. And oh, this guy, you know, has got this rocket arm and this guy can do that. And then you forget the other part of the game. You forget how hard it is to figure out what the hell you guys are doing on defense as he's dropping back and four or five or six guys are coming and trying to kill him. Right. So I'm watching Drew Locke. I'm getting ready for the Raiders game this week. And I'm watching Drew Locke trying to figure out what the heck Paul Gunther is sending at him. And the Raiders, for better or for worse, they play every defense known to man. I mean, not literally. They, when, when I put on that tape, I'm like, I, every single defense that I know about on earth, they ran at one point or another in that game. And, and Drew Locke was sitting there coming back and he got hit in the back of the head so many times when he had no idea that it was unblocked, that there was an extra guy coming. And then after he got hit in the back of the head a couple of times, then he just started throwing everything so fast, getting it out of his hand against a three or a four man rush. And I, I mean, he just, no matter what he did, he was just wrong. And there's gotta be times on some of the great defenses that you've played on that you guys are sitting there just laughing, going, it doesn't matter what this guy is. He's so young, he's so green. There's no way he's gonna figure this out. And this game's over and we're in the middle of the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, you it, it feels great. Um, when you're in that kind of rhythm as a defense, um, you know, where you feel like everything you're doing is working, every every step you take, every every guess you make is right. Um, you know, it's, un it's an unbelievable feeling, uh, but you it's rare, you know, in this league because because something always sends you out and it's usually a penalty or, or, or some kind of where, where you almost feel like, man, like they had to do something to save these guys, you know, I mean. You look at some of the the roughing the passer penalties that that they can call. I mean, literally any sack you can call a roughing the passer these days. You know, with the way the rules are written. So, um, yeah, when you're on defense and you're playing it lights out, and these quarterbacks don't know freaking up from down, it's it's fun. It's fun fun to play football. It's just so rare and it's hard to find in this league with the way way they're calling it. I, I tell you, who had no fun this week whatsoever? I, I hope I've got the right guy. Cleveland Browns game. I think it was Nick Chubb that had the breakout run down the sideline. <laughs> and the thing that makes it so great is that there were, it had to be 60, 70 yards, whatever it was. And so every gambler who was sitting right on the brink of winning this game, they needed one more score in order to win their bet. And he breaks out of there. And he's flying down the field. And I'm just trying to picture these guys that have their life savings bet <laughs> on this situation. He's running down the field, and then he steps out of bounds on the one-yard line to make sure that they couldn't get double possession, game over at that point. But you talking about some bad beats. That had to give a couple of heart attacks around the NFL this week. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and, and he made the right play, you know, technically I, I, you know, I've never been one to, to, to think that was the way, you know, if I'm the coach score and I, I trust my defense to get the stop, you're still down double, you know, if you get beat in that game, you're not a good team and you, you deserve to be beat. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, that's what his coach told him to do. And he made the right play. He, 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 he was coachable, you know, he didn't make the selfish play and, uh, sucks for those gamblers. How hard would it be to go out on the one yard line? No, you make a play like that. I'm just trying to think how hard would it be to walk out of bounds? Oh, it's we saw it in the I, Super I'm Bowl. Scared. Right. I'm yeah, we saw it in the Super Bowl. It literally fell back into the end zone because he just couldn't make himself do it. He just couldn't do it. You can't. You can't it's, it's hard. It's you. You just. It. You know. It, it goes against everything you're taught. It's go. It goes against everything you're you're taught for years and years and years and years of playing this game. And you know, I. You know, hats off to him. Yeah. Pretty amazing. We had um, there's there, there were a lot of great matchups in the in the league this past week. Maybe the most interesting one was Jalen Ramsey against DK Metcalf. And when you break that one down, it was zero receptions in two targets in 37 snaps when they played against each other. That's a pretty good day right there. And both those guys are considered stars in the league. You know, Jalen Ramsey just got paid a bunch of money. and it is it was a great watch is it just a matter of good pitching beats good hitting you know that if if the db is really on and it's just the right matchup it just doesn't matter how good the guy is that that the good pitching is going to win well i mean i don't know if it's that simplified but um you got to give him credit for for playing a great game you know he went into the game he understood what the what what dk did well um you know, they, they came up with a great plan for him and, and he stopped him. You know, he stayed on top of all his nine balls and then and the threats deep um, where he fought, where he makes a lot of his, you know, big plays. Um, and he was able to, to do what he had to do, you know. So you got to give him credit for not only being prepared um, for, for the short area game, but for the long game, you know, with Russell Wilson and the way he throws the deep ball. Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing that you got to always be aware of and always be alert for. And that's where Jalen um, succeeded the most. We had an interesting game ourselves this past weekend. It was the, the Ravens and the Patriots. It was typical New England weather. Uh, you know, it was like 50-mile-an-hour winds sometimes. It was rain. It was, you know, it was just crazy. But we also got a chance to watch the Patriots practice on Friday. And they have an indoor facility, which I think they've used once. I think in the history of that organization, they've used it once. So they practice in that stuff all the time. And they reeled it in, right? Cam didn't make a lot of throws. They ran the football. They've got their offensive line. Uh, they had their wide receiver throw one, you know, for a touchdown pass down the field. Uh, but there, there really is something about there's a lot of ways to win football games. And when you hit that kind of weather, you guys saw it a lot when you were, you don't see it anymore in San Francisco, but you saw it a lot in your days in Seattle. Football is a different game. Oh, oh, football is definitely a different game when you got the weather, you got the wind, you got the rain. Um, 
we we rarely ever practiced in it if we could help it, you know, because it's just not worth it. You know, it's not like, hey, we're going to be so used to the rain and the, the weather that, oh, we're going to have that much of an advantage. You know, at the end of the day, the biggest advantage is, is being able to catch, you know. Now, now if you wet the ball, at the end of the day, it's going to feel the same, you know, whether you're indoor or outdoor. You got to make sure you have the right gloves because if you wear the – the all weather gloves, they'll stick better than if you wear normal gloves, you know, and they'll, they'll be like slip and slide. Um, and I think that that's a huge advantage for teams, but I, I, I you know, you got to give, give credit to the Patriots. They always have a great plan. They had a great plan for them last year and the year before that. Um, and I think they've done a good job of, of creating, you know, putting their players in, a, in their greatest strengths, but also making, making sure that he's uncomfortable the whole game. Like, they put pressure on him. They, they brought pressure when he wasn't expecting it. They dropped back when he wasn't expecting it, and they, they put him in some tough spots. Do you think the Baltimore Ravens are in trouble here? They have not quite been the same team. Of course, you know, it's hard to go 14-2 and two every year, but, you know, they're missing Ronnie Stanley now. They're missing another offensive lineman and Tyree Phillips. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, uh, you know, wasn't even playing and they were still able to shut down uh, the passing game over there. They're, they're, goodness knows, Calais Campbell has a calf injury, so we don't know how long uh, he might be out here either. Um, but is, is this, because a lot of people thought the Ravens were the favorite coming into this thing, but it has not been the same kind of year offensively. Yeah, I mean, you, it's it's hard. It's hard to to go fourteen and two and have Super Bowl expectations get put out in the first game you play in the playoffs, and then come back with the same enthusiasm, same everything, and think, oh, it's going to work out just like it did. We're going to go fourteen two, but we're going to win this time. You know, if the league was that easy, every team that had success would always have success. Um, you lose your, your you lose one of the best left tackles in the league. That's just going to compound your problems. On top of you just paid him all the, that money, so hopefully he comes back the same. But you lose the left tackle in this league. I don't care what offense you're running or who you are. If you're the favorites or a bad team, your your offensive line is going to struggle from that point forward. If they were easy to find, everybody'd have one. Um, and so. There are things they, they've had to do to, to make up for that. You know, they have to slide. They have to chip. That changes your offense. That changes your game plan. That changes how you approach each week. You know, if you can just slide away from your left tackle, it change, it allows your, the rest of everybody else to get help. But when you also have to help your left tackle, then it creates a lot more one-on-ones um, in the interior. And, you know, I so, yeah, they're, they're, they're a different team. You know, they're different on defense. You know, they're making plays. They're, they're still opportunistic. Um, but it's tough because you can't just go in. You have to get better every year. And you could go back to what to what um, Lamar Jackson said when he said, oh, man, they know our plays. Uh, yeah, of course they know the, your plays because everybody saw your offense and how effective it was. And they're going to game plan for you. They're going to make the corrections. And they're going to bring something to stop it. And you need to adjust. And uh, if they haven't made those adjustments, I haven't studied their, their tape um, exclusively. But you're going to have a hard time when the playoffs come. It's really interesting because in the history of football, defensive players always call out plays. They get a few right every once in a while, right? I mean, but the percentages are probably 10, 15%. And even then, you know, most offensive coaches think, well, if we ran the play right, we could do it anyway. We, we'd figure it out. But it seemed to have a little impact on Lamar I think it bothered him or maybe it's happening at a higher rate than what it was because you could see you know that was a unique offense last year that's like playing the wishbone right that's a that's a short week takes a lot to get ready for that 
But now, at least within the division, maybe there are some teams and the Patriots that, that have they caught up with that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that the offense was overly complex. It's just being disciplined and consistent. You know, it, you like I said before, you have to leave a gap open. You have to literally abandon the A gap and leave it open because that's not the gap they're trying to attack and then scrape over the top. It takes a lot for a guy to go against this, a Mike linebacker to say, I see an open gap. Don't run through it. Scrape over the top and get stopped. Because if you go through it, you get captured. They got the edge. They got more blockers than you have people to defend it. Um, so once people really stuck to that strategy and you say, hey, this is what we have to do. This is And then offensively in, in, the, in terms of the passing game, you know, a lot of it was simplistic. A lot of it is specials and, and overs and just getting guys vertical and finding the vertical seams in the defense. It's, it's once you take those things away and, and you start to predict hey, this is how they're going to attack us. So if it's a pass, this is what we're getting. This is take away his first look. He loves a tight end. Take away him. Take away the backs. It, it makes it really difficult on the offense that, that does not change it up um, and, and vary that much. Yeah, it, it's a um... – you know, it's an interesting thing. I, we, we had, there's a story going around, and I love these goofy stories anyway. It's, it's just so football. So the Raiders, apparently, when they beat the Chiefs in, in Kansas City, have you heard this one yet? Yes, I heard. <laughs> so, so apparently the, the Raiders, after the game, decided they were going to take a victory lap around Kansas City Stadium. You know, John Gruden made some comment today in the media like, well, if they didn't have such a smart-ass bus driver that was driving us to the airport, we might not have done it. But, you know, he said something to us getting on the bus or, or something like that. So they take a victory lap. So, of course, they ask Andy Reid about it. And Andy Reid says something like, that's not my style, right? And that may have been the end of it. But then there was another chance later in the press conference where he brought it up. So – you're going, okay, here we go. We're back to the old bulletin board material, right? We're in late in the year. Everybody has something. Everybody's in a little bit of pain out there. Can the victory lap have something to do with this game on Sunday in the rematch between these two things? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the reality TV show that is the National Football League. So you got to have something. But at the end of the day, it's going to be two teams lining up and who can execute the best. I don't give a dang if, if, if they took 12 victory laps, if they, if they partied on the field. If they go out there and they don't execute and they get beat again, then guess what? They'll, they'll take another victory lap. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you, that's not going to make the plays for them. They have a great offense. They have a great defense. I mean, it's a, it's a division opponent. If you need more motivation, I guess you got it. But usually you don't for division games. The, the the Las Vegas media will probably have helicopters in the air to see if Kansas City wins the game, if they take a victory lap around the stadium or not. I, it's like you would have to live inside the NFL to have some understanding of so many of the, the silly things that are underlying or motivational or, or whatever. I, I'm always flashing back to the victory laps, but you think back to your high school days. And I don't know if you guys did this or not, but um, it, it, on the bus on the way home, if you won a game, you know, there were, you sang songs, right? There were, you know, hey, we are the Eagles, mighty, mighty Eagles. Everywhere we go, people want to know who right, right. we are, right? Those old things. 
And and was there anything that you guys did in high school or college or in the NFL even that you still look back on and you go, oh, that was stupid? <laughs> oh, we we did tons of things. So we would we would go in high school, especially if it was a rivalry or somebody we just had no respect for. We we we'd stretch at our home stadium. So we we do our warm up, we'd stretch, and we wouldn't show up till like two or three minutes after game time was supposed to start. What? And we walk, walk off the boat, walk off the uh, bus, and we beat the crap out of whoever we, we played. And just wanted to show them, like, hey, we don't even have to warm up for you guys. But obviously, you know, we just did it before. Oh, that's cold-blooded. <laughs> oh, that it was so it was cold-blooded. And so people are standing around tapping their toes, and you guys just went in and mopped them up. Right. We just casually walk off the bus, get back on the bus, let's go home. Let's go home. You guys are taking enough of beating. I, I saw our high school team. wasn't mine. It was my kids' high school team. They were really good, too. They won state championships every year he was in there. Uh, but there was a rivalry, and it went back to the coach uh, of our high school team. Apparently, there was something said at, like, a, you know, awards banquet, something like that. And somebody really went after this coach. And he thought he was being funny. But this coach had his dad in the audience for like the first time. And he, it was a big deal to him. He was getting this whatever national coach of the year or whatever. And he like never forgot it. And so when they would go play this team, they would get off the bus and the entire team would literally walk around the field one full lap and then go down and warm up. And it was, it was the most insane rivalry. But there are things that, you know, thank God they don't show up with guns or knives or anything. <laughs> right, right. But a football game is a fight. No matter how you no want to slice how. it, a football game is a fight. Right. It's, it's one of the only sports you can go out there and literally physically impose your will on somebody else. Like, hey, I don't like what you did, so I'm going to run full speed. I'm going to put my body through your body and see how you like it. Like it's a, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, I guess you can do it in hockey, but I love football. And, and then they go, we're good with that. Right. It becomes a highlight reel, right? You right. do that. Right. Where, where else in the world can you do that and go, Hey, that was awesome. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and you know? people applaud. You, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. So I'm watching the chiefs tape and I'm getting ready for the game and I'm watching Mahomes. And I go, that sucker's really good, man. He's got some advantages. He's got Andy Reid. He's got Eric Bieniemy. He's got great receivers. He's got all that kind of stuff. But if you put Patrick Mahomes on the New York Jets, right? Before the season, we just slapped him over there, and he's now the quarterback of the New York Jets. How many wins do the Jets have? Uh, you know, I, 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 they'd get a couple. You know, I mean, just because he, the audaciousness that he has to to throw some of the things that he throws, um, I'm not sure he would have the season that he's having right now. You know, the st statistically, I think his his interceptions and his touchdowns would be uh, more 50 50. Uh, and but, I, you know, that team just doesn't have a ton of talent right now, you know, and, and, and so it doesn't really matter. You could put. You know, maybe A Rod and, and those guys, guys who could just adjust and, and, and you know, kind of dictate the offense on their own. But um, when you're not putting in a lot of positions to be successful, when, when it's the, the offense is so simplistic at times, um, 
it's it's tough to to for anybody to be successful in that environment, you know, and, and everybody's being hard on the quarterback and saying, oh, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Well, if you say Trevor Lawrence and you give him this exact same team, you're not going to get much better results. You know, it's not like you're going to say, oh, my God, look, look how much better they are with this quarterback. You know, you have to give him more. You have to give him some some talented receivers. You have to do more um, to patch up that offensive line. You have to. You know, you got you got Frank Gore, but you have to do more with Frank and you have to do more with the running game, be more dynamic. You know, at the end of the day, uh, that's I'm not sure he could save them. I've I've been watching Joe Burrow this year. And of course, the Bengals are struggling with their offensive line. And I can remember a couple of times and they're playing Pittsburgh this past week. And, you know, Pittsburgh's pass rush pretty dang good. And I'm sitting there going, if I were if I were in the corner and Joe Burrow were a boxer, would I throw this towel in and just get him out of there alive? I mean, there it gets to that point sometimes where the mismatches can really begin to show up and you start going, this is now dangerous for that kid. Right. And in, in, in a very dangerous sport where bad things can happen. You know, it's a hundred percent injury rate sport. If these guys just taking a beating like that all the time, it's not like your body's just going to be like, Oh man, I'm so used to taking a beating. Like eventually something's going to crack. Something's going to break. I mean, you saw it with, with Drew Brees, uh, this last weekend, you know, a normal everyday sack, you know, guard got beat, bang, guy gets sacked and has multiple broken ribs, a collapsed lung, like and played through it, you know, which is unbelievable. But do you want to take that risk with, with, with a guy who you expect to be your future? I think about this for one second. The biggest hit you ever took in your life. All right. I'll tell you mine. I was in college, University of Florida, late in the game. We're playing against Auburn. And this guy, our quarterback, did a little rollout and he like waved me up the field. And so that means there's nobody behind you, right? Right. What else could that possibly mean possibly. other than there's nobody back there? And he threw one of those little lollipop throws up gently through the air. And one of those I mean, moon balls. One of those moon balls. That's exactly right. <laughs> that I now have to run as faster than I can to go catch it. But I'm assuming it's a walk-in touchdown if I do catch it. So I am flying as fast as I can fly down the field. And little did I know there was a dude that my quarterback did not see back there and he's running as fast as he can at me and I reach out my hands to do it he breaks two of my fingers hitting my hands goes through that hits me perfectly right in the stomach right where right at the bottom of that little chest plate there I immediately puke on myself comes up through uh, slides his helmet up through hits me in the chin, oh. 10 stitches in it, and I'm knocked out cold. And I'm two feet away from their bench. I'm on that side. Oh, no. The place is going bananas. These guys are losing. I mean, we're ahead by two and a half touchdowns. So we're, you know, we're beating the guys. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> and I'm in my own puke. I don't know where I am. I'm drowning, and I'm going I, that was the absolute I it, there it doesn't matter NFL there's no way I could ever take one worse than that one no right way. that right. The, the worst of all time did you ever you played receiver did you ever have one any anywhere close 
I had one Sabby Piscatelli. We were playing Oregon State. I was a freshman. We had lost. We had lost our two starting receivers. So now I'm the only. I'm the go-to guy. I just came off of a game where I had six catches for 180. You know, so I'm. I'm on my way now. I feel like you know we're not a very good team. We had only won one game, but hey, I'm playing well, so that's all I can do. So now I'm the featured guy. I'm running a corner route out of the slot. I run the corner. I catch it. I think I'm alone. I'm going to turn up the field. I'm going to juke a guy or two. I caught it. All I felt was a helmet in my back in pressure, and I'm going towards the sideline. And I thought, oh, this couldn't be that big a hit. Before I knew it, I'm rolling and head first into our bench. And I'm like, I get up. I'm like, okay, that, that kind of sucks. But, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go again. I mean, this dude abused me every time I touched the ball. I felt like he he had a like he was out for me. Like he he didn't give a damn. Savvy Piscatelli, I end up he ended up concussing me later in the game on a, on almost the same route where he finally caught me the way he wanted to catch me. And I, I'll never forget that dude's name. Savvy Piscatelli. I love that you know his name. I, I oh, gotta 100%. figure out who this guy was that got me. I'm afraid. I'm literally afraid those nightmares will come back if I go back and watch that tape. I, I don't know if I can force myself to do that again. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. I, I always have to ask you one GM question, and then we're going to bring up one legal issue. I'm going to let you go. Here's my GM issue du jour. This is one we, de we debate at PFF all the time. You can go on our NFL podcast, Steve and Sam. You'll hear them debating this all the time. If you're the GM and you have a choice, quarterbacks I'm taking off the table so far. That, that's the position, right? But now an equal team, are you taking a receiver, a DB, or a pass rusher? Is your first priority of choice a receiver, a DB, or a pass rusher? I'll throw in left tackle just for good measure there. What do you think is the second most important position in the game of football? You got to be able to rush the passer. That's, that's no question. That's no, that's not even like a, a second guess or a second thought. If you can't rush the passer, it doesn't really matter what you do. If you can rush the passer with four and not have to bring five and get generate great pressure, you can, you can protect your back end. But if you have the greatest back end in the world and you can't rush the passer, they will still find ways to get open. You are in the right spot then, because that is the core foundational belief of the San Francisco 49ers. 100%. That is what they are all about. Unfortunately, they lost their pass rusher. That was that was the worst part of that one. Right. Interesting. 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 So you and I as DBs and wide receivers, forget about it. Right, all right, right. One final thing. All right, th this one I've been waiting for a little bit because I knew it would happen. I knew this would happen eventually. DeAndre Baker basically was run out of the NFL, right? He was charged with, you know, supposedly they, he and his buddies took a gun in to some party and $70,000. And there's three different witnesses that, that all testify to this. And that's it. So he's bad guy number one ever in the National Football League. And now it comes out that some attorney, had convinced these three guys that he can get them $266,000 a piece if they just stay with his story that DeAndre Baker did all this because he's an NFL player and we're going to go get his money. And so now this attorney is charged with extortion. Good. I hope he, I hope he rots in hell. 
But it doesn't do anything for DeAndre Baker, who now has this reputation and doesn't have a job. And all on an allegation, not a conviction, not a conviction that anything happened, all on an allegation. I just, how do you react to that? Because literally, I, I sort of live in fear. I know if somebody accuses me of something, it won't really matter what happened, you know, at least for a while, for a good while, and maybe ever. But as a, a well-known guy, as a celebrity, as one of the more famous players in the league, do you ever think about that, the possibility of that? Oh, 100%. You think about it all the time, and you, you, you're approached it with things like that all the time. And you're like, you know, random people come up, man, I'll, I'll release this story about you. I'll, I'll say you did this. I'll say you spit in my face. If you don't give me $50,000, I'll – and it's like – or it goes back to, to people with, with camera phones out, like like your buddy did, who's trying to get hot takes, who's trying to, who like, oh, I'll punch this guy in the face and start a fight, and, you know, or any, anything can happen because that's all, it, that's his day and age. So I could be sitting there having a great meal, having a dinner, having a night out, or just walking around, and somebody can do something to antagonize and then try to extort. And so, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. The allegation, as soon as it gets to the public, you're guilty. And, and, and even if even if you come to find out that it was totally fabricated, totally made up, there will still be people who believe, hey, well, why would they make that up? Why would they say that about him if it wasn't true? And some part of it has to be true. He's just paid somebody off to, to, to quiet him down or or he's just made them, you know, recant their story or, you know, so it's it's unfortunate. You know, it's, it's almost as bad as the sensationalism of, of, of some media. You know, where it's like, hey, this guy gave praise to this team and he said he expected to beat him. And so the whole story is, look, he, he knew he'd beat him. Look, he predicted he'd beat this team. It's like, no, the guy gave him credit. So it's just sad that the guy has to deal with this, um, especially if he didn't do anything. Now, if he went in there and did something, you know, it is what it is. But um, if the story, the way it's coming out right now, seems to be that these guys had it out to get this money for, from him, um, it's sad. And it's another example of... of you know, people passing judgment before, you know, the truth comes out. My rookie year, I had NFL security, which I didn't even know there was such a thing at the time. I had NFL security <laughs> come come and talk to me. And they said, um, Chris, uh, this car dealership in Dayton, Ohio, said that uh, a girl claiming to be your girlfriend um, came in and wanted a car and that you would pay for it. And I said, A, I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> B, it sucks for them, but what does that make any difference to me? If they're stupid enough to give her a car, like, are you crazy? Is that, that's my concern? I know, right. That's their concern. That's, that's their not problem. my concern. Right. I couldn't believe it. Right. And that's all you needed. That's all you needed was her for her to say she was oh my, my girlfriend and gosh. Man, take care of that calf of yours. Get back out on the football field. We look forward to watching you again. I look forward to getting out there. Appreciate you. See you next week. Bye, right, buddy. All right, from Richard Sherman to George Shahuri. I don't know how to make that transition. One <laughs> handsome guy to another. How about that? There we go. I, I can't can live get in with trouble that. for that one. There we go. Your hair is better than his. I don't know. His hair is pretty cool. He's, I was going to say, I, that was like the biggest victory I've had all year. Because <laughs> Richard Sherman is one cool dude and his hair is, I mean, I, I just try, if I can be mentioned the same sentence as him, I'll take it. Yeah. Don't tell him I said that.
<laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to do our uh, weekly picks of games. And um, it's that was a crazy weekend last weekend. If you're betting on some of those games and you're losing with a Hail Mary or Nick Chubb running out of bounds on the goal line, I mean, that's gotta be, that's some serious bad beats. That's a funny that's a funny thing that they do on ESPN, too. And now week 11, here we go. Great matchups. We all know what it's all about. And if you've downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app, it's the top-rated sportsbook app for a, for a reason, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're the best. Everywhere you go, people are playing uh, with DraftKings. And for this week, a bunch of incredible offers. And anyone who uses the promo code PFF, that is going to make you uh, even more money. There you go. So... George, just curious, how did that whole Nick Chubb thing hit you, man? Did you, were you on the good side or the bad side of that one? Yeah, I, I was lucky that I didn't see it live. I was watching Red Zone, and, and I had already seen, like I had heard what happened when I saw it for the first time. I had Houston um, plus four. So that touchdown that didn't happen would have lost that bet for me. So I can only imagine if I were watching it live what would have been going through my mind. At the office, Eric was watching it live, and apparently, word on the street is he was having a total conniption. <laughs> oh, um, because because we. So both, he was not on the good side of that one. Well, so no. Here's the thing: we both had Houston plus four. He thinks Nick Chubb is going to score the touchdown. So the whole way down the sideline, he's yelling, "No, no, 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 no!" And then he goes out of bounds, and you know it turns into euphoria, and that's that's why. Sports betting is fantastic. Anyways, if you want to win your games, you want to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code PFF because you're right, this this deal is insane. Um, they're giving all new users a chance to earn a sign-up bonus of $1,000 when you sign up and use the promo code PFF. Um, plus, there are endless ways for you to bet. It's not just football. There's UFC 255. There's the Masters last week. Um, so tons of really good stuff. It's safe and reliable. It's easy for you to deposit, and it's just as easy for you to withdraw money um, at your convenience. So you want to stop using the other sports books where that's like impossible. You can always deposit, but you know a withdrawal is like jumping through nine hoops. So download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF when you sign up. You get a thousand dollars, and um, you will have endless hours, honestly, of enjoyment. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough restriction supply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I'm telling you, you're just you're just a few more reads away from being the disclaimer voice of all America. I, I can see that. Coming, I'm improving. So. Here we go. All right. So let's talk about these games. This is going to be good. The Cardinals, America's darling team now, right? Mm-hmm. And the Seahawks going at it. And the Seahawks, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Both teams with identical six-and-three records. But currently, the Cardinals sit in first place in the NFC West, and the Seahawks would be the seventh seed mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And on the bubble, to not make the playoffs at all, so a very important game. It is, and this was the game that was flexed into Sunday night the last time you were supposed to do 
a right. Las Vegas game. It's interesting that, that you're going to Vegas again this week. This one can't be flexed because it's on Thursday. Um, in some places, and this is why it's important to go, you know, if you go to DraftKings Sportsbook, you are going to see three and a half, which I think is the right number here. Because if you're giving me just three points, if this number were just three, I, I think I would definitely take the Seahawks here. And my reasoning is this. If Kyler Murray's Hale Murray is not caught, if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make one of the greatest plays we've seen, not just this year, but like ever, right? Then there's no way that the Cardinals are valued as highly in this game. But that, that play was a pretty fluky play, as great as it was. So there's a lot of you know, people that are high on the Cardinals this week that maybe shouldn't be, and everyone is down on the Seahawks. And that's when I want to buy Russell Wilson. He's still great. He's still our third highest graded quarterback. Um, DK Metcalf is still one of the hardest covers in the NFL. No one on the Cardinals is going to cover him. Anyways. What, what's up with Russell Wilson with all these end zone interceptions, red zone? I mean, he never does that. Well, so this is a question I have for you because I heard this going around and it was like, well, he's forcing things because the defense is so bad. But the defense gave up 23 points. Like that game was early in the game. I, I think Russ Wilson is still trying to score points like he always is. I, I, to me, it's just Russell Wilson is not Patrick Mahomes. He has these games. You know, football, like golf, like anything, has a way of humbling you over time. Just about the time on the golf course that I think, ah, I've got this. I, I know exactly what I'm doing now, right? I turn into Tiger Woods at number 12 the other day, and it's, it's game over. And I think football does the same thing. Like, Russell Wilson got away with everything. No matter what he did early in the year, mm -hmm. it was just working. And sometimes as a player – you have to reel yourself back in. You know, you do. I mean, it's it's. there's just this ebb and flow that, that goes with it. Maybe he's at one of those points. I don't know. So would you would you then take the Seahawks? Or are you? do you think Kyler Murray is so impossible to defend that you just don't want to be on the other side of this guy right now? Uh, so I, I may take the over. I don't even know what the over is. I, I, I oh, see on the I piece can't. of paper it's 57 and a half. Is that high? Is that a That's lot? That's pretty high. That's pretty high, but what, I'm what's with you. average? Like when you think over under, what's like just average? Well, it, you'll see this year so many games, almost all games are high 40s, low 50s, which a couple seasons ago you would have seen, you know, a lot in the 47, 49 range. Now if you see something under 50, it, it's it's low. So if That's you look a bargain. at Yeah, if you look at this week's games, um man, there are only five or so games that are like really under 50 uh, a lot of them are high 40s so i mean you'll see probably you know 47 to 49 would be the average this is the highest total of the entire week it's even higher than your game kansas city las vegas which i won't tell you so that you don't know you know so that oh good, good. Yeah. that'll be a, that'll be a mystery it can so be I a can surprise to you like when al know. tells you you know late in the game um I that's very high, and I'm and I'm not saying it's wrong. I actually think 57 and a half. If I would go over two, because who's playing defense on these teams? Yeah, that's a good point. I um, boy, I, I tell you, the Seahawks. That's a that, that, they were the team, and Russell Wilson was the MVP, and it was you know wow, that's a that's a pretty good who, fall right there. Who would you vote um, for for MVP right now? Uh, probably Mahomes. I think. I think. 
but it changed. I was Russell Wilson until last week. I was trying to hang on. I had my fingernails in the chalkboard. Yeah. I was hanging on, baby. Now, here's one that's under 50. The Titans and the Ravens going at it. And um, this is going to be fun, right? I mean, the Titans have so many different ways to, to win the game. They can throw it well. Derrick Henry, all the broken tackles that he has. He runs over people, all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you one thing to watch for with this Baltimore team. When we were studying them last week, they have so many strip sacks or strip <laughs> strip the ball away from running backs when they're going down the field. Those guys are amazing with that. I mean, almost every defensive back has a sack. Almost everyone has a, a strip. Everybody, I mean, an interception. This is a defense that gets the ball back for their offense. So uh, the Titans better hold on. How concerned are you about the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, you just did that game. It The weather sucks, right? I mean, the, the last drive was pretty much torpedoed because you couldn't see anything. Um, by the way, it miraculously ended, like, right after the game. All of a sudden, it cleared Un up. Unbelievable. I, I mean, the, the, the minute that drive started when Baltimore got the ball and they ran out on the field, <laughs> it rained so hard. I mean, it's just what you said. You could barely see the field. And the minute the last second clicked off the clock, it stopped. I, I mean, it was it was un if if God is a Patriots fan, he won that game. I'm just telling you, it was the timing was incredible. And you did you did the fog game there, right? Which was the Super Bowl rematch. Oh, yeah. yeah, we get it all. I I feel like New England, I, they just get. Their weather there is weirder than anywhere else. So well, that's the reason they practice in it all the time. Because yeah. who can get used to that? You know, they've got experience. The only guy, uh, I won't even get into that. I, I'm not Colin Kaepernick in the worst weather I've ever seen there beat Tom Brady and put up about 40 points, whatever that game was. To me, that still was one of the greatest quarterback games I've ever seen in my life. Ever. It was amazing. I'm gonna go dust that one off. I need I need it because my Niners are not, you know, not looking so hot. Yeah, here's you got time on your hands. Yeah, apparently. Um here's where I'm at with this. Both teams are playing poorly. I think that the Ravens issues are more systemic. If you go to PFF.com, Mike Renner wrote a great piece after the Sunday night game about what's going on with the Ravens. Because everyone wants to talk about their run game, but their pass game has gone to complete shit. And one of the reasons is that teams used to try and play the run with base personnel because it's like, oh, it's the run. We have to stop it. And now they're playing it with dime and nickel because they realize that actually speed is really important to stop the run and they'll stop the pass better. And sure enough, it's working on early downs. Lamar Jackson went from like a 90 PFF grade. He's in like the low 70s now. And so that to me is not something you can fix necessarily overnight. I think Tennessee has helped their coverage out with Desmond King. And if, if Tennessee, and this is a six and a half point spread on DraftKings Sportsbook, that's a lot of points. If Tennessee can just figure out how to keep throwing the ball, which they seemingly don't want to do, they can keep this one close. I'll take the Titans. Uh, you know, you, you hit it on the head though, because the Patriots, not only did they play six or seven defensive backs during the course of the game, I mean, they took Chase Winovich and turned him into an off-the-ball linebacker. They just wanted as many people that could run and chase mm -hmm. as they could come up with. 
And, you know, nothing lasts forever in this game. I, I remember when in 1985, the, the Bears defense, that 46 defense, <laughs> was like, oh, my God, how, offense is finished now. Nobody will ever figure out how to play this. De- and, and a year later, they're getting crushed with the same defense. You know, these guys in the NFL, they they adapt. I mean, you better you better come up with something new on the tail end of it if it's going to work. So, well, the Patriots, uh, Cam Newton. I'm not, I'm not letting you get away without picking that what? game. I got to pick that game, yeah. too. I will pick. I'm going to take the over. Can I do that? You can do that. I like I it. I want to learn about the over and I like it. a little bit. You're riding so I'm going to take over 49 points. Are you going to write these down so I'll know if I want to? Yes, I'll write them down. Okay. By the way, the Hale Murray, we talked yeah. about that game, and uh, it the spread was two and a half. They didn't kick the extra point. It ended in two. 32-30. Ouch. Yep. So my Bills bet uh, came through for me. Oh, you, you're the luckiest dude. <laughs> Is that right? Did you really win two games on? on yeah, on great, great decisions by coaches to ensure they won the game. Yes. That's pathetic. So you got the step out by Nick Chubb for a win, mm-hmm. and you got they don't kick the extra point for a win. Yeah, and I'm going to Vegas this weekend uh, if you want to come with me. Hey, I'm going to be in Vegas. What are you, you don't have to – I'm there. Go there with Al Michaels. How interesting is that going to be? Man, we'll find I need out some stories. Everything we point. need stories next week. Oh, I have lots of stories. Can't tell them all, but I have lots <laughs> of stories. All right, the uh, Packers, who sort of underwhelmed last Mm -hmm. week, right, against the Colts, who overwhelmed last week and now had a little extra time off. And you've got Aaron Rodgers against uh, Phillip Rivers. And Rodgers, we talked about the MVP uh, race. He wasn't great in that game, but he's probably number two Mm -hmm. on my book right now, would you say? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's gone from Russ Wilson can't lose this award to now he's number three, and I think a distant third. Like I think right now, if you had to, if you had to put it to a vote, I think it'd be very close. I would, I would kind of guess that maybe Rodgers has an edge with some people. I would personally vote for Mahomes with you, um, but Rodgers is still—he hasn't played as well lately, but he's still over the course of the season the highest graded quarterback. He's still playing really well, and I think the question here is, like, does he have enough with, you know, surrounding him? He's got Devonte Adams, and then it's like. You know, what else are they doing to, to help him out? Whereas the Colts don't have anyone near Rodgers or Devontae Adams, but they have so many players on that team. They do a great job from a scheme perspective, especially on defense. Uh, so it's a real question of, do you like the superstars or do you like the system? That's that's how I read this game. Now, the Colts, I think this, this surprised me. The Colts on DraftKings Sportsbook are two and a half point favorites. I, you don't see Aaron Rodgers as an underdog very often. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, this, this is, this is tough because the Colts are a tough football team, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they're a tough team that I I can get so fixated on the passing game sometimes and, and, you know, what the quarterback's doing. And of course you would take Aaron Rodgers over Phillip Rivers Mm -hmm. at this point, but you know, we also did that game when they played Kansas City a few years ago, and they just they just physically offensive line just kind of won the game. You know, mm-hmm. so if they can turn it into one of those kind of games against the Packers and not let 
Devonte and Aaron go off on him. Who knows? I, I, I love Darius Leonard too. That's a that guy is an amazing athlete playing linebacker. He's so here we go. What do you take it? What do you pick it? Okay, so if you go to if you go to pff.com and you have an elite subscription, you can see how our models line this one out. And this is one where it slapped me in the face because I love Darren Rodgers as an underdog, and the model came in and it likes Indianapolis as a short favorite. So I'm going to ride with the Indianapolis Colts minus two and a half. I'm going the over again. There you go. I, I think I think perfect conditions are yep. going to play into this one a little bit. When you're used, starting to get used to the cold, bad weather, and all of a sudden you're back in a <laughs> dome. I'm betting the over. There you I go. Like it. I'm a big over under guy this week. I just got to keep betting the over so that I can remember them. Rams against the Buccaneers. The, the believe it or not. So when you say Rams against Buccaneers, what are you thinking about? You're thinking, oh, two high flying offenses, mm -hmm. quarterbacks, whatever. These are two of the best defenses in football, right? Yep. I mean, the Rams defense and the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, they got torched a little bit against the Saints in that game we did down there. But but these two defenses are great. So and it explains. Uh, 47 and a half points mm -hmm. the over under now that I am an expert yes. on that one that's that seems like a low number it is especially because you've got Tom Brady on one side and then you have Sean McVay on the other who you know is the ultimate puppet master over there with that offense um, this is an interesting one it's three and a half that the Buccaneers are favored I think that line makes sense you know three is such a key number um, and the Buccaneers are probably just a little bit you know, they're, they're definitely a little bit better than the Rams. Um, this is tricky. I'm actually, on this one, I'm considering going with the over as well, kind of fading the narrative of defenses are going to shut each other down and actually going with, I think McVay will figure out a way. And I think Tom Brady right now has got so many weapons, he's playing so well um, that they'll still put up some points. See, this is one that it's hard for me because when Ali Marpet went out with that concussion, mm -hmm. and he's still in the concussion protocol. I was just yeah. reading about him today um, as of Tuesday, I guess I should say that. And, you know, so then they started reshuffling that offensive line. And then all of a sudden they're not quite as powerful run blockers. And then all of a sudden the play action's not quite as good. And, you know, there, there's always an effect that the pass protection isn't as good. When they, because for the whole beginning part of the year, that offensive line was intact, and you start moving people and taking little pieces out of it. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I'm like, man, the offensive line is half the team almost. It's it's five out of the eleven positions, and nobody ever wants to talk about them. <laughs> and but it's the reason always during our broadcasts, I try to include those guys. I mean, that's a big part of the game. Mm -hmm. So. I'm still a little leery on the Buccaneers and, and uh, what they're going to do on offense, although and they, they balanced the ball out pretty good the other day when they were uh, everybody had, what, 50 yards, yep. something like that, and, and uh, receiving their top four guys. Let, let me ask you this. Do you think are both these teams capable of winning the Super Bowl? The Buccaneers are for sure. I mean, they'd have to get hot. They'd have to figure mm -hmm. some things out. They'd have to get their offensive line back. But I'm telling you, they're a good power running team. 
they just haven't been the last couple of weeks yeah. because of you know the the injuries up there and ali marpet is one of their best players i don't want to wear him out but I'm looking at this game and I'm going, oh man, friggin' Aaron Donald's going to be over some backup <laughs> dudes. Uh, and maybe not. Maybe if Marpet's back, I would feel pretty good about the Buccaneers. That, that, that's a swing injury for me. Because I, I think the line, I was trying to think about this earlier today, like which teams could I actually see hoisting the Lombardi trophy? And I got to the Rams and the Rams was where I was like, you know what? I just don't think I can. I don't think Jared Goff is the type of guy that can handle situations where he doesn't know what's going to happen, where Sean McVay isn't able to perfectly read the defense. I I, I kind of like the over here, but I think I think I would go with the Bucks if I had to take uh, a team against the spread. I think this is tricky. This is a tough game, man. That's a tough game. I, I I'm gonna go. I'm going to go the Rams. Okay. I, I, I am too concerned. Aaron Donald has changes every game that I do. And he's going to be one of two things. Either he's going to be over a guy with a concussion <laughs> or he's going to be over a guy who's not playing because of a concussion. He's going to give a guy so a I'm, concussion. <laughs> I'm taking Aaron Donald. I'm okay. taking Aaron Donald. So, I'm, 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 so I get three and a half points on that. Write you that do. down. Write that down. I want my three and a half points. You will get all three and a half points. Uh, I have one more question for you because I heard Richard answer this question, and I'm going to ask it to you in a slightly different way. Um, You get to start a team with either Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey. Which one would you choose? Aaron Donald. Okay. I I mean, he's he's just the best. He's the best not just defensive player. I think he's been the best player for a while in the league. Um, yeah. He, he's an amazing guy. I mean, I really, that's, you You could, you we could do our broadcast only focused on him. Every, we could do every replay <laughs> of Aaron Donald and it would be still interesting. It would be. I think you guys should do that one time. We, we actually do that kind yeah. of, it's not that far off of it. I'm, I'm so, torn on this one. I, I think I would, I love Jalen Ramsey. And I love coverage. You know how important coverage is um, from a mathematical standpoint. So I, that that's tough for me. I know what I'm getting with Aaron Donald, though. Like you know, every time he steps on the field, he's going to be dominant. So I. But it, the hard part for me is, even with double teams, mm-hmm. Donald can still get there. His numbers against double teams yeah, are incredible. unbelievable. Whereas Ramsey, no matter where he is on the field, you can always go to the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't run and hide from Aaron Donald. That's That, to me, is, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And the Rams have been successful in large part because their other corner, Darius Williams, is incredible. He's been amazing. He's allowing a pass rating of 41. He's our fourth highest graded corner. So your, your point is, is very good, that coverage requires all of the corners being at least decent. From a pass rush perspective, if you just have Aaron Donald, you have a pass rush. So I'm with you there. There you go. I think I like your pick. I'm jealous. I have envy of your picks this week. You went a lot of overs. I love that. Um, And I like your reasoning. The matchups that you you put out for the Rams are really good. I might tail you this week. You know what that means? Tail me. Yeah, I just. You're going to follow me. Exactly. I'm going to see your picks. I'm hoping that's what it means. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I definitely hope that's what it means. (laughs)
I'm copying All right. this week. I, I'm excited. So, I mean, if I get really good at this, I could retire and just just start going with DraftKings. Well, when you're or out in Vegas, hang out and watch the games. I wouldn't even have to travel anymore. Yeah, when you're out in Vegas, out. maybe look for some real estate. All right, I'll tell uh, I'll tell Holly I'm thinking about retiring and moving to Vegas. Oh, no. See how that goes. <laughs> I, I'll say a prayer for you. All right, brother. We'll see you next week. Sounds good.